Hey, just a heads up. The episode you're about to listen to is about Taste the Blood of Dracula, directed by Peter Sasdy and written by Anthony Hines. Some relevant trigger warnings for this movie include blood, abuse, general misogyny, and our hosts rank this movie as spoopy. If you'd like to learn more about the movie discussed this evening, please visit our website, progressivelyhorrified.transistor.fm, for show notes and a transcript. After the spooky music, we'll talk about the movie in full, so be forewarned, there will be spoilers. Now let's get on to the show. I'm sure sure there will be lots of discussion of this brothel at some point. Um, All right. Good evening and welcome to Progressively Horrified. The show where we hold horror to standards it absolutely never agreed to. (laughs) Good evening and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the podcast where we hold horror to progressive standards it never agreed to. Tonight, we're talking about the fifth and one of the most fun of the Hammer Dracula films, Taste the Blood of Dracula. I am your host, Jeremy Whitley, and with me tonight I have a panel of cinephiles and cenobites. First, they're here to challenge the sexy werewolf, sexy vampire binary. My co-host, Ben Kahn. Ben, how are you tonight? It's amazing seeing a real trash horror film. Trash being a word I apply lovingly. Just treat itself like high art through its sheer conviction in its own Britishness. It's almost difficult to tell that it's trash because it's so incredibly British. It's so British. It's wildly British. I lived in England, and it wasn't as British as this movie. <laughs> and, of course, also with us, the cinnamon roll of Cenobites, our co-host, Emily Martin. How are you tonight, Emily? I'm wondering if the effervescence of Dracula blood would be applicable like uh, Airborne or Emergency. There's a joke Dracula in there. Dracula a lot of this movie as Kool-Aid mix. Yeah, yeah. Is, that, is this a... Is this commentary on Jonestown? I, I don't, don't know, but if Christopher Lee had ever busted through a brick wall yelling, oh yeah, oh man, that, this movie would have been six stars out of five. I'm pretty sure he has done that, but not on film. No, he did that and then murdered a Nazi. Yeah, so and cool. Our, and our guest, writer and podcaster extraordinaire, one of the hosts of War Rocket Ajax, Apocrypals, movie fighters, sailor business, Xena warrior business, and many more. Chris Sims, how are you, Chris? I'm doing very well, thank you. Ah, thank you for being here tonight with us. Well, thank you for having me, and I'm sorry for uh, when Jeremy asked me uh, to be on for being like, let's do let's do taste the blood of Dracula. Never be sorry. Oh, yeah, don't be sorry. Yo, why this are you apologizing? Awesome. This movie fucking ruled. Yeah, no, I love this movie. Here's here's the thing. I am well known as saying it is my favorite of the ten Hammer Dracula movies, which are I think the best Dracula movies by and large. I didn't know that you, at least, Jeremy, had never seen any of the Hammer movies. This is not the one I would suggest. Although, while it is my favorite, good is a very the yeah. word "good" is thrown around a lot these days. I don't it's know if fun. I would apply it to this. This movie begins with a shady snow globe salesman being thrown out of a carriage by a mysterious, unexplained, just violent not man he just not that he has like a zombie to do with Dracula. zombie he does right there's just a kind of unexplained zombie in this movie and that's the big redfield energy when i realized that we were getting no explanation for that man who attacked who inexplicably attacked the salesman and threw him out of carriage for a snow globe was 
oh, okay, buckle up. This is my kind of movie. <laughs> I don't think it's inexplicable. That guy is kind of a huge scumbag. My favorite part of that, though, is that the other guy goes ahead and throws his luggage out after him. Yeah, even yeah. though he's like, I have, I might have a million more snow globes in here from various other European cities, but he wanted that one. I feel it's like we've all been on the plane next to this guy. There is some definite fun behind-the-scenes trivia that I think explains a lot. Should we do the recap first? Yes. Yeah, I think so. I, I did want to say... It's not completely true that I haven't ever seen any Hammer Dracula films because somehow in a pack of like discount DVDs that was given to me when I was like growing up with the, you know, the the grandma who's like, that's my grandson that likes uh, weird movies. I did get The Satanic Rites of Dracula, which is one of these that has, again, has very little explanation at the beginning of it. And watching it, I was like, what is happening? <laughs> Yo, you read the you title, right? That's who's your favorite Dracula? Of all the Draculas, who's y'all's favorite? Christopher Lee. I mean, like, yeah, I can't argue with Christopher Lee's Dracula. Are, are we just talking movies or are we talking across all media? Let's talk Comics, across all media. video games. Well, the recent Halloween episode of the War of Ajax podcast, Benito Serena and Elk Collins and I did do a ranking of several Dracula. And nice. our top ranked was Marvel Comics Dracula, classic mustache. Hell yeah, Tomb of Dracula. Tomb of Dracula, Dracula All right. who fights the Silver Listeners, if you're listening to us, that sounds right up your alley. What was that again? Where can they catch that? That is, that episode? That is episode 613 of the podcast War Rocket Ajax, which you can find at warrocketajax.com. Oh, I must titled every Dracula ever. That's the one. Yeah, I, I was literally like, Two weeks before that came out, we were like, yeah, let's do Dracula stuff for December. And I was like listening to this and I was like, oh, well, <laughs> similar, similar thoughts. <laughs> All right. I uh, mean, the Castlevania Dracula is pretty hot. Yeah. Also on the um, list. Yeah. Where, where did, I mean, where actually, does Hotel Transylvania's Dracula fall on the ranking? Gotta listen low. to the podcast, man. That's true. I can't don't. Yeah, that's right. No spoilers. Yeah, you can't spoil it. I don't think you guys ranked Adam Sandler Hotel Transylvania Dracula on that episode. That was Adam I, Sandler. That is yeah. Adam Sandler. Yeah. Oh, afraid I haven't seen any of those. You know, I got home. Emily's making the yikes face. <laughs> yeah, it's pulling my collar and going yikesers. Anyway, okay. let's put that recap on. Yes, All right. Dracula's. All right. So this is directed by Peter Sazdy. Uh, written by Anthony Hines and Nicholas Bram Stoker is the writer. That's kind of loose. You know, he, he did create Dracula. He had nothing to do with the plot of this movie. Um, this is all fan fiction. Like, all of these movies are Dracula fan fiction. I want you guys to, I want everyone to think about that. Next time you're reading your, I'm really sorry. I just need to, this is a public service announcement for our listeners and readers. Please. Fan fiction is valid because this is what it is. Yeah. And uh, as we said, it does start Christopher Lee as Dracula. And he's fantastic. He's missing for a large chunk in the middle of this movie, but he does come back. He so has despair nothing not. to do. And he is the best part of the movie by a mile. What he does with a fucking nod in this movie is incredible. Like there's not much of him, but when he's on screen, the movie knows it's fucking popping. So uh, as we discussed, it opens with uh, Mr. Weller, a sketchy traveling salesman, riding in a carriage with two very strange men. Uh, he refuses to hand over his wares for free and then gets tossed out into the woods. Uh, he wakes up hours later and goes for a good aimless wander in the woods just in time to see Dracula, who was being stabbed, who was stabbed by a giant cross, bleeds all over the rock and 
poof, leaving his cape and jewelry behind. The rest of his clothes are apparently part of his body. And look, Blood of Dracula, it's time for the title. We jump forward to meet three families that are going to be the center of this movie. They're all leaving a church. Uh, there are the Hargoods, which features the dad, an angry man, the mom, a doting wife, and their love-struck daughter, Alice. The Paxtons, uh, Mr. Paxton, who kind of sucks, but is sort of the timid one of the dads. His giggly daughter, Lucy, and his son, Paul, who loves Alice, generally seems pretty useless until he eventually saves the day using the power of, I don't know, prayer, I guess. I'm not sure. Um, cross. Yeah. Uh, he's then, not useless. He has wonderful Kyle MacLachlan and Dune hair. Oh, yes. my God. And the devil man sideburns. The <laughs> uh, 1870s hair. So named Paul. Yeah. Oh my God, this guy is both 1860s and 1960s at the same time, and it's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, and we also have Mr. Secker and his son. Boy, if you thought Paul was forgettable, Jeremy is also here. The important thing to know about all of this is that Alice and Paul are in love, but Mr. Hargood hates Paul for reasons that will never be discussed. Uh, he does have a stupid face, and that might be part of it. Um, also... <laughs> Lucy loves Jeremy, but that won't matter until the end of Act 2, a scene in which uh, which could have easily been written out of the movie. Mr. Harwood's hobbies include calling his daughter a harlot, threatening to beat her, and also being a founding member of the most vanilla Hellfire Club in history. So wannabe. They're just three guys. So yeah, it's we have Harwood, Paxton, and Secker who love to sneak off together every fourth Sunday under the guise of helping the poor to go hang out in a brothel and dare their extremely colorful pimp slash madam Felix to bring them more exotic pleasures. But Yo. their snake-handling women just aren't getting their dicks up anymore. So when Mr. Courtley shows up and steals one of their girls, they got to know what his deal is. According to Felix, he got kicked out of his home for having a black mass and at his church. And now the prostitutes all pay to be with him. Surely he must know more adventurous ways to get their tallywhacker slippery. He tells them... So pretty. He tells them that the answer is for them to buy all these cool Dracula relics from his friend, Mr. Weller, and come see him at St. Dracula's Anglican Church. He has prepared a fun night of hide-and-seek and, seek and uh, made them all some Dracula blood smoothies. But it turns out that the boys are too vanilla to try this milkshake, and he's the only one who drinks it, at which point he starts writhing on the ground and begging for help. The Heckwater Club seems to think he's on fire and desperately tries to put him out by beating him to death with whatever's close at hand until he stops moving. Uh, oops, they did a murder. Time to leave the body there. Ask our families to perjure themselves and then drink till we feel nothing. Courtly, meanwhile, is reborn as Dracula who swears to get revenge on those who murdered his servants. His servant, not a particularly tall order, but Jack's going to do it in style. Alice sneaks out to a party against her father's wishes and he decides he's going to drunkenly beat her. She tries to run away. He's but the finds worst. Yeah, he finds she finds the prettiest Dracula in the garden uh, who convinces her to give her father a shovel lobotomy and with just a stern look. I mean, yeah, it's so, Christopher Lee and it is quite the luck. Oh, yeah. Christopher Lee's really good at being like, use that shovel, go upside his head. But of course, he just and, says nothing. He just stares at her. Yeah, he just um, Christopher looks. Lee is given grains of sand and he makes a beach out of it. Well, he is grains of sand. He's made out of sand, like he's made out of powdered fruit punch. Yeah, or or, sand, or colored sand. Now I know Dracula like is cherry flavored. I know we like to say that Count von Count is inspired by uh, Dracula. I am the Count. Huh. Do you know why they call me the Count? Huh? Because I love to count things. But Dracula is way into counting in this movie. <laughs> Most dramatic lines. 
delivered are the first, the second, and the third. And then, um, uh, uh, uh. Wonderful. Ah, 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 ah. Wonderful. Oh, I love the man. The cops have no interest in solving Hargrave's, or Hargood's death and Alice's <laughs> disappearance. As usual, all cops are bad, especially in horror movies. So the entranced Alice is clear to just come recruit Lucy in broad daylight from her own dad's funeral. Uh, they ride a driverless carriage to St. Dracula's where Alice and Dracula pressure Lucy into an uncomfortable three-way and Lucy becomes a vampire. Now that Hargood, Alice, and Lucy have all gone missing, Paxton is sure it's Courtly back from the dead and he and Secker decide to go check out St. Dracula's to see if Courtly's body is there. It isn't, but Lucy has taken up residence in the local coffin. Secker is anxious to shove a piece of church pew through her titties, but it is not to be as Paxton shoots Secker before tearfully deciding that I guess he, it's only right that he kill his own daughter. Uh, but he's too late. Lucy and Alice hold him down and drive a stake through his chest, a normal human's only weakness. Secker stumbled back home after being shot. I was sure he was dead at this point in the movie, but he, he gets back up and goes home and then starts bleeding on his desk for a while. Hey, remember, Secker has a son named Jeremy. He's here. He immediately gets bitten by Lucy, stabs his own dad, and then ceases to matter again. Now that his revenge is done, Dracula decides to finish off Lucy. The end. But wait. Secker wrote a letter to Paul, the only person left who cares that anybody has died, pointing him to the fact that there is a book that just says vampires on the shelf that he should read that. Paul arms himself with a sensible purse full of vampire gear and sets off to redecorate St. Dracula's Cathedral. But on the way, he finds Lucy's body discarded in nearby lake. Fuck you, Dracula. A turtle could have choked on that. He puts up her <laughs> candles. He puts up some new candles, some crosses, and a sensible table runner before yelling at increasing volume for Alice to come out. Because I guess Dracula never actually bit her. And he's going to save her. Dracula kicks Paul's ass. Paul saves Alice through the power of motivational speaking. And then Dracula breaks a stained glass window, develops an incredible case of vertigo, and decides that it just isn't worth getting away, and he's going to die. Not particularly because of anything Paul did, just because there's crosses around, and that's the end. Yeah, the Jesus was too okay, hard. I do want to point out one mistake. Paul does not convince Alice to become good. Alice to the end wants to go with dracula and only after dracula explicitly rejects her does she then turn on him paul has nothing to do with it it is pure dracula's rejection i mean she wants to be evil her. and evil says nah yeah and good for her good for her not putting up with that shit i have a question for everyone and and chris as the the most experienced what i assume i assume you're the most experienced person with this film today in this chat i i have watched it I've done as our as our resident dracula is yes um, more times than the rest of us yeah as our resident tasteable of Draculaology. what was courtley's game like what the fuck was he trying to do well you know okay no i i've thought about this and i'm pretty sure he had gotten the three of them into like drink the blood smoothie they would have become three christopher lee's so four total, which and he was trying to make just like a whole bunch of Christopher Lee's go around. Yeah, but like when he drank the Dracula blood, he was like, "Oh fuck, this sucks," and I then started like writing on the ground. I think his plan was that he would become Dracula, and the other three would be like his thralls. Because okay, it's the, so it's the powdered Dracula blood and also his blood. Oh, okay, no, yeah. so here is where the behind the scenes trivia comes in. Please. Uh, this movie was 
completely written with the idea that Christopher Lee had expressed not wanting to return as Dracula. They wanted to build up Ralph Bates, the actor who played Lord Courtly, and they wrote this whole movie with the idea that Courtly would be the new main villain, the ceremony would go wrong, and he would come back to life as a vampire and do all the vengeance stuff. And the international distributors were like, lol, no, get us Dracula, get the fuck out. So they convinced, so they somehow convinced Christopher Lee to come back for to do like a few day, a day and a half, I'm guessing, of Dracula filming. Because it seems like his like shots were filmed completely separate from almost all the other actors and at a completely different times. Yeah, and he doesn't deliver a whole lot of dialogue. The the apocryphal story is that Lee refused to say any dialogue that he thought was stupid, which is why he has. There's at least one movie in here where he has no lines. Um, but that is is not necessarily true. That is a that is a a rumor. It should be true though. Like he deserves good writing. Some like, of the writing in this of, movie is. I'm kind of convinced bad. they must have filmed a bunch of the courtly as main villain stuff too and either they had to rewrite like a lot or they were like oh good we had this whole he uses the children to kill the fathers thing so we don't have to refilm any of the big death scenes because there are some scenes where it is really obvious that not christopher lee is with one actor and christopher lee is working with not the not the actor who plays the other character there's a lot of shot reverse shots yeah there's a couple scenes like in the climax where he's like throwing stuff at Paul where I thought like, oh, that's probably just Lee stand in doing some physical stuff. But it looks like it could be a stand in for either Lee or Courtly. So, yeah, it makes it makes sense. Yeah, I think I think Courtly's actually like a, a really interesting character. I, I would have liked more of Courtly. He was super fun. Yeah, he had some of the kind of Lestat stuff going on and some of the Lucifer stuff going on. Like that whole bit where, especially Felix, where he's like, and the devil, and he likes the devil. Would you like the devil? And then three dudes are like, maybe, actually. I'm pretty bored with Bussy. Like the, except that one guy who's really into that Persian cat, which I really don't know how I feel about. Oh, yeah, there's a brothel cat in this movie. Did he bring that cat in with him, or does that cat, or is it like a bodega cat, but for sex work? I think it's a bodega cat situation. That make that makes me feel better. I fully get the feeling that Paxton would have been good to continue to just <laughs> come and and get get some pussy, but every the other two were just like, nah, this uh, illicit sex with different women every week is boring. The way these old men peer pressure each other with like kick you out of the special the super special secret club like they are children oh i loved it it was delightful no i mean maybe maybe some shade on the freemasons but there seems to be a lot of that going on on the the, the whole freemason situation anytime like papa paxton is like uh are we sure we want to bring back dracula they just respond to it like if you want to be kicked out of the circle yeah, Paxton Rothel was... and Absinthe Club. Chris, what do you think about Paxton? Do you think he's moral or is he just a stooge? No, no. And this movie sucks. Okay. <laughs> like, that's the... Alice and arguably Paul 
are like the only ones that we should not want to see violently murdered. Yes. I guess Alice's mom's worst trait is stuck in abusive marriage in a time when women have no power, economic or political power of their own. All right. Okay. Perhaps I should have been my statement. Hashtag Alice's mom did nothing wrong. She really should have intervened. I mean, she, she, I don't know. She has a surprising amount of objecting for this particular marriage. True. I was sure that he was going to wheel on her any minute and and just smack her. Because, like, he is really giving, like, act one Scrooge in this movie. (laughs) Yeah. Everybody else is is acting evil on a slightly lower level. For some reason, Stecker is, is just playing British Lee Marvin. But... (laughs) oh my god like the catharsis i felt when that like shovel went into his face like i wanted so awful more like even though this is like the whole like and i do like the plot like i really like this feels very wonderfully creative and petty for dracula (laughs) to like murder people he has grudges against with their own kids like that's a great dracula like just thing to do but man even though she's being like mind control influenced to do it it's really nice seeing alice just like murder the shit out of her abusive like shithead dad who's just been the worst the whole film yeah and the whole whipping thing like really borders like just in terms of how he's acting with her really borders on like sexual assault as well which is you know it's fucked up it's the most disturbing scene in the movie yeah and also we're introduced to William as being like super like he's like, go to your room because you looked at a man like literally. Okay. Calls her maybe... a harlot repeatedly. Yeah, because okay, she looked I, at a man. I, I put this out to the I'll be polite and say Gentiles on the panel. <laughs> but I was under the understanding and that like at least in old time, you're like that was the point of church. It was the socially acceptable mingling and flirting to make courtship happen where it's like we talk about jesus and then we uh, and then like the repressed puritan and then the repressed christian people i bang from across the pews i thought that was the point of it well we have that and then we have them going directly to the brothel afterward so immediately like these guys are i mean especially william is he's established to be a huge hypocrite and you know super piece of shit before he even like beats anybody also isn't sunday like he leaves almost a oh no i guess there's a time skip i like the idea I mean, of him just going straight from church to the brothel and being like well it's, it's 1 p.m <laughs> time for lunch and a brothel they, they, they get out of church they hit up shonies the weird adult baby sex dungeon that's honestly god that's right that could have been a shoney that they walked through on the way to the sex dungeon i mean it looked like a soup kitchen but i've been to shoney's yeah with a little all the little urchins going sir 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 please sir and you you toss the difference is that shoney's they have a southern accent so it's just different accents yeah you toss dollars in the air and let the kids fight over them again this movie so british I mean, this movie, while being like, look at how much these upper class assholes are just the biggest assholes, is also kind of delighting in being upper crust elitist. I love how much 
William Hargood is scowling as he walks into their weird fetish club. Jeffrey Keen <laughs> scowls so like angry a, a about motherfucker. He yeah, is so good. Like, like, shout out to Jeffrey Keen for how good he is at just being scummy. Mm-hmm. He, he really, like, his whole thing of, like, you know I'm never around on the fourth Sunday of the month. It's like, yeah, well, this dude is really treating this like it is an obligation. Like, it is a... It's, oh, this, the fetish club again. I think... I think that he, or I think his wife totally knows that that's what's going on, like 100%, because otherwise she wouldn't be so insistent on forgetting about it. And she'd be like, I made you a ham. Can you please not go to the fetish club and get spotted dick? Like, please. This, this lady has mastered the uh, stiff upper lip. Yeah. No yeah. one seems to be enjoying themselves at any part of this excursion. Except Again, for Felix. Felix has had this a hell is of a time. The ladies. And incredibly, nobody's enjoying themselves. A very British movie. <laughs> right? There's like a snake dance. And there's, I mean, there's a, I will say, I think it's Secker, who's, which is an unfortunate name, who is like really into petting the cat. And I mean, the context makes it weird because they're in a brothel I did, and I they just took away all his ladies. But then he's sitting there and he's petting that cat like it, like it's his fucking one ring. Like he's like, precious. Okay, I I did see there they have like the opium thing or like the opium hookah. So I took uh, yeah. that as like, okay, he's just, he's mostly here for like drugs. And then he's like in the like ecstasy land where he's like, I must never stop petting this cat. Yeah, he's stimming on the cat, which is like, yeah, he's okay, stimming I on mean, the, yeah, I, like I took that as like, he, he he's in it for the opium. And, and sure, just the man. high quality snake dance choreography. That poor snake. I Chris? feel like the only word that was accurate in that description was snake. <laughs> I would hesitate to call it high quality choreography or even dance. I was so worried that whole scene that the snake was going to go in her mouth. I, this is not that kind of movie. The dance equivalent of any time on Star Trek that something's supposed to shake and everybody just sort of, yeah. <laughs> it's like uh, cooperating her to, with her to make it look kind of like a dance. Now, do you think, what do you think that casting call was like? Like, needed one scene and like background actress must be comfortable with reptiles. I she I don't think they got that last part. Cyos, bring your own. Like, do you think? Do you think that actress went in being like, okay, I'm doing a snake thing, or I am a snake trainer who is getting a chance to be on this film, or do you think this was like a random London background actress who showed up on set thinking she's getting a big break in a Dracula film, and then they're like, okay, now he wear this giant snake all day. That one. I would hesitate to say snake trainer, but I I do feel like this is definitely an I know somebody situation. She was definitely yeah. part I of the OTO that. and she like goes to the, the OTO meetings and has her snake there and everyone's like, oh, it's the magical, you're going to be the horror Babylon tonight. And she'd be like, rad. And then mm-hmm. she does a snake dance. And then they're like, what's Babylon? And then, because they're, because... They're appropriating. Anyway, I feel like they were just like, budget. we need somebody with with breasts, a snake, and that they can dance. And they got two out of three, so they were happy. I wonder if they even had the snake in the script, or again, if someone was like, "Yo, I know this lady. She'd be definitely be down for it. She's got a that's, great pair yeah, and a great snake. I think it'd really make the scene pop." 
That is the answer. Yes. Yes. Correct. Chris, we need more women in movies with great pairs and great snakes. Chris, do you have a favorite scene in this film? I there are a couple. I do primarily love this movie for one reason, which is that it is a movie called Taste the Blood of Dracula, in which someone (laughs) does in fact taste the blood of Dracula. It delivers on the promise of the does what it says on the box. Yeah, it does Um, what it says on the box. There's a thing that that you might not know if you haven't watched a lot of these, but that I think you got from watching it, and that is that at the end of every Dracula movie, Dracula dies. And so when they make a sequel, the cold open of every Dracula movie is Dracula getting out of that particular death. So in the opening of this movie, when we see Dracula uh, getting impaled on the the cross, that is the climax of the previous film. Um, Okay. But I felt... That's not my favorite scene. My favorite scene is when the dude comes over and is like rifling through Dracula's thick with two C's blood to get his stuff and he pulls out the gigantic medallion that says Dracula. <laughs> that was amazing. Okay, yes, I'm so mm. glad you brought that up. That was incredible. The giant name tag necklace. Dracula has the same taste in jewelry that like 90s rappers did. Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. OG. Mm. Oh my God. I, well, I wish it, I he'd been like Rick Ross and was... like a little Dracula. I figured that was the ending of the last movie, but I really hoped it was just something completely out of context with no explanation. Like, you just stumble in the woods and it's like, oh, Dracula got himself impaled on a giant cross. Wonder what that's about. I kind of love it as a cold open. I love it because it's like this dude's lost in the woods and he's he's hearing people like roaring and yelling and shit. And you just come upon a dying Dracula. Like, it's such a, a Brothers Grimm kind of opening. Like, I once upon a time, I came upon a dying Dracula. And then I, I picked up his blood and I said, it's the blood of Dracula. What really sells it to me and just really encapsulates what makes this movie amazing is when they're going through the things like the necklace, the cape, they, they treated these items with real reverence and awe. And they look like they came from a spirit Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> They're uh, so cheap looking props. I love, that, like, I love it. I love that like he has to mix the blood and everything into smoothies, but this does require him to go into full Dracula cosplay beforehand. <laughs> do you not do that when you make a smoothie? Do you not put the cape on and no, I don't I don't usually wear my, my smoothie and my cape and signet ring for making smoothies. I wear my headband and my my Garfield Neon Genesis Evangelion shirt, and I get really, I get into it. I gotta do it. Everything Lord Courtley does is my favorite. He's not on screen. When he's just bossing around these British men, when he's just dorming through brothels, just beeping (laughs) on everybody, when he's just putting on a cape, when he's just crying for help, and then they kick him to death. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why they kicked him to death, but... I feel like there was, was a bit of... Part. There was some homophobia going on there, because they were, like, really afraid of the emotions that this guy was was <laughs> inspiring in them, because they were like, well, I'm done with chicks, I guess. I don't, let's let's invite this guy to dinner, see what he's about. <laughs> oh, he's intriguing. in love with him. Yeah. Hargood is is like has such a fascination boner with Courtly from the get go. Yeah, and like that's how dudes that's how dudes in the eighteen hundreds like flirted. 
It's like, hey, show me how you get these women. Like, can you show me how, your secret? Like, you can must you have show it? thing in this movie that's I, most accurate to Bram Stoker, right? Yeah. <laughs> I do kind of want to take a moment of silence because at least based on how the sound was, I assume at least one boom mic editor got trampled to death by a horse making this movie. To death? There's some, like, audio recording that is real oh. dicey. I mean, it's a hammer film. At least the, the Again, shots It's what well I done. love. I love, I love, like, some of the bad sound mixing. I love that it looks like gazpacho in those goblets. <laughs> it probably was. It's probably really I love delicious that they know tomato gazpacho. The perfect level of dramatic close-up on Christopher Lee's eyes. Yeah, he got he got real red in the eyes. Like, did they give him some special shit to make, or did they just get him like really, really? They definitely had to, but I I really wish I really wish Christopher Lee was just chain smoking joints before every take. I am going to choose to believe that that is what's going on. Chris, Chris, question for you: Yes, if Lord Crowley brought you to the first Church of Dracula, do you drink the gazpacho vampire smoothie? I am. My wife likes to refer to me as a participant, and I have been told by by just people who haven't even known me that long that I am the kind of person who regrets the things I don't do more than the things that I do. So, I I mean, yeah, how often are you going to get a chance to drink the blood of Dracula? Yeah. Especially yeah. if I know I'm in a movie called Taste the Blood of Dracula. And I mean, if you're taking the blood of Dracula and you're offered the blood of Dracula, you, you got to take a taste. I feel like... I'd be like, yeah, well, I'm I'm here in this deconsecrated church. You know, I've we're already here. We've already got all the stuff. We might as well, you know, if you're gonna go to town, you might as well go to Lincoln. Right? Yeah. Right. Now, I know Paul cleaned up the church, but it really seems like Dracula just suddenly remembers that he's supposed to be weak to crosses. That's the other thing that I love. In the same way that like in every movie they have to un do the death of Dracula, which sounds like a great title for a Hammer Dracula movie, honestly. Uh, Undo the death, of, the death Dracula? of Dracula? Fuck yeah. Ooh, I'd uh, watch that. They have to come up with a new way to kill him, too, at the end. And, you know, like, getting impaled on a cross is pretty, like, pretty this metal. is the fourth one. So they've, they've already done the regular ending, they've done the sunlight, they've done impaling on a on a cross. So this is kind of the first one where they have to get a little weird with it and get a little <laughs> creative. Do they ever have to do like, oh no, Dracula accidentally ate shrimp scampi and the garlic <laughs> killed him. Yeah. And he's allergic to shellfish. That's a lobster fest with Dracula. Yeah. <laughs> Taste the sugar bay biscuits of Dracula. Um, Taste the old bay with Dracula. But like, it is full madness. That Paul is like, okay, I know what I'll do. I'll go to this clearly like ruined and disused church that has they hung up a baphomet in, and I'll just make it look like a regular church because I know that he's not supposed to be in there. You know, one of those. It, 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 so I, I hate to just pulling candlesticks out of his bag and setting up the altar and making sure it's like just so like. That's such a weird way of killing Dracula, but I love it. Like, I, I hate to critique Christopher Lee, but if I'm Dracula, I I think I simply wouldn't make a church my headquarters. 
that was what he did in the book. I mean, uh, Carfax Abbey, he bought up Carfax Abbey and he, car- he bought up like the all the land around it. He did put his like dirt around it. So he's like, it's my dirt now. And then he had like a bunch of guys take care of things, I guess. It's well, unclear. I at least wouldn't leave up the stained glass window of the giant cross. Yeah. He, he put a curtain on it. That's it. true. He did put a Baphomet curtain on it. He did, he did it. put up a curtain. He did put up the curtain. <laughs> my, my favorite bit from Paul redecorating the church, if you didn't notice, was the sensible table runner that he puts across the altar. <laughs> <laughs> that like, he literally just like, takes down the black candles, puts up the white candles, and is like, you know what? And some doilies would make this, would really yeah. bring this to life. Paul would That's his version of putting doilies. on the Dracula cape. Like, he needs to get in the, he needs to get in the, like, he needs He's to empower on the himself. Joanna Gaines cape. Oh, another moment of this movie that I, thing. I really loved is when Paxton is shooting at Secker because bullet sound effects are absolutely ridiculous, but... I don't blame Hammer for that. They're British. They don't know. They don't hear guns all, all the time like we do. Yeah. <laughs> Those gun sound effects would be unacceptable over here, but we'll give you the UK. You don't have the shooty, shooty, bang, bang. So I have another question about this continuity in the movie, which, you know, is a question I can ask and I decide to ask it. That whole thing with Courtly, I feel like that's supposed to be happening in one night. Like, I think that's all happening in one single night. Like, they go and they buy the blood of Dracula. They get their crystal goblets. They get, like, their fucking special shit, which I'm pretty sure that it's all courtly just being like, hey, I don't want to pay for this. You guys got to pay for this shit because I want it to be extra special. Supper's pretty early. I think they went to the brothel at, like, five. And it's also England, so it's probably, like, it's November or some shit, or maybe it's February. I don't know. And it's, like, the light, you know, gets dark super early. Because he, he left Honestly, before dinner. If you're going to be Dracula, like fucking England, like great place to be. You can stay out almost the whole time. So, Chris, as the as the Taste of Blood of Dracula expert, what say you of this timeline? Did this all happen in one night? Not the whole thing, but the brothel to the beating. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's all one night. I'm pretty sure. What was Lord Courtley's okay. plan? That's was what Courtley's I was plan asking. to just like barge into brothels until he intrigued rich people who would buy him the things he needed to bring Dracula back? I think he just wanted I mean, to be a cult worked. leader. Yeah. Yeah, granted, it worked. Granted, flawless plan. Yeah. Almost foolproof, aside from the part where he got kicked to death. I mean, he really should have vetted the whole, like, blood of Dracula thing first. Like... I, you know, if I was him, I would be like, hey, Weller, can I have like just a little tiny, just also is Weller, is that actor related to the guy that plays John Badminton? Because they look a lot alike. That was From Roy Kinnear. The, uh, Weller or John Badminton? Who is Weller. Father know. of Rory Kinnear. Who is? Who is Frankenstein's monster in Penny Dreadful. And a from, whole bunch of other stuff. Men, or the men from men. He was M's like side person in pretty much all of the Daniel Craig James Bond movies. So okay. that was Roy Kinnear. So a bit of a uh, British acting family dynasty right there. Oh, that is. So they are related. Yeah. Yes. Roy Kinnear and Rory Kinnear. Yes. They are father and son. Wow. I recognized <laughs> a face. Like I said, there's only 10 people working in Britain right. at any given time. <laughs> well, I was thinking, like, Murray Kinnear isn't that old, is he? He can't be that old. 
because he looks exactly no, no. like that, that guy. Except this is nerd. this is the previous generation of Kinnear actors, Kinnear thespians, if you will. Yeah, the Kinnear legacy. It was it was interesting to me about this movie, and it might be just because I've been watching Queer for Fear, where you know they're talking a lot about queer characters and stuff in in horror movies and sort of the pre-code versus the code years. Oh, and are, are we going to talk about the queer character in this movie? I feel like a little bit. They, they had a real like section towards the beginning of this movie where there were a lot of fancy lads popping up between uh, Courtly and Felix. That it was just like. All right, there's a real like gay contingent in this movie. I pointed out to Alicia as we were watching it. I was like, "There's one guy that gets bitten and turned into a vampire in this movie, and Dracula ain't gay, so he has the girl do it for him." I guess <laughs> he's just like, "I'll that's stand and watch turn him into a vampire." I'm not into that. That's oh my god, that's like, exactly why they had to do that. Yeah, I mean that does you know that that does follow novel continuity. Dracula is only for the ladies. He just likes having a, you know, like any anime boy, he likes having a harem. It's important. I mean, I think Bram Stoker needed people to know that, like, he wasn't going around fantasizing about <laughs> nibbling on any men's necks, especially not Walt Whitman. Bram Stoker's <laughs> Tenchi Moyo. Oh. But Tenchi uh, sucks, though. I've never seen Tenchi. Dracula's great. But, and this is what I realized, and we'll Especially once we watch, like, we see Keanu in, like, Bram Stoker's Dracula, and we see it with Paul. Is there a more thankless role than the nominal protagonist in a Dracula movie? Like, the guy trying to get win his girl back from Dracula? Is is there a more thankless role? I mean, I think like, I can think of Ru one. Like, who is pulling off that character in a way that's memorable next to fucking Dracula? Dracula, played by Christopher Lee. They had to get Peter Cushing as old man Van Helsing just to have a bit of a protagonist, and then he usually had to have, like, a boring guy help him. Well, yeah, I think, you know, in Dracula or, or Horror of Dracula, you have a series of other dudes who are fairly worthless in this. You have Arthur Holmwood, and you have... Who am I trying to think of that's... Uh, talking about Dr. The Seward, Cowboy. Quincy Morris, and, uh, and Arthur Holmwood. There was yeah. Arthur Homewood, Quincy Morris, and yeah, and the doctor guy. Which was the yeah, fighter, sure, the yeah. thief, and the ranger? Well, Quincy Morris is the cowboy. Yeah, so he's the oh, ranger. Oh, he's the fighter. When everybody was doing Dracula Daily, and an entire generation of people found out that there's a cowboy in Dracula who's always cut out of adaptations, and everybody was like, there's a cowboy in Dracula? I was ah. so delighted because I was like, first of all, happy everyone finds out there's a cowboy in Dracula Day. Yes. Uh, secondly, that means none of you know how Dracula ends. You're yep. gonna be delighted. Yep. And the the presence of that cowboy also, I think, is is indicative of our buddy Bram Bram Stokey because he does do Not a gay. lot of description. About Quincy Morris, maybe a little gay. Yeah, and I mean, like Parker is the other one in in horror of dracula because the horror of dracula they're telling him it doesn't have a cowboy in it it's just van helsing doing his thing and pulling along pulling around other people to get murdered in his stead but yeah fucking jonathan harker is absolutely useless in that movie despite the fact that he goes to castle dracula with the intention of killing dracula he's quite bad at it. yeah i mean mo most people are you really want to get down to it most people bad at killing dracula 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, the whole point. Ten of these. I mean, historically, very hard to do if you're not a Belmont, and pretty difficult even if you are a Belmont. Yeah, that's why you have to go through like all the statues and the the candles. I guess if you're Blade, you didn't have too much trouble with Dominic Purcell, Dracula, or Drake. He was barely. Remember Blade? Remember when they called Dracula Drake? Drake. Yes. (laughs) Remember Blade Three, a movie not enjoyed by any of the people who made Blade Three. That's really sad. No, Blade Blade Three is a very serious movie, which is why it's not called Blade Three. It's called Blade Trinity. That's right. If you've never heard Patton Oswalt's stand-up routines about his time on Blade Trinity, it is well worth a listen. Yeah, I would say as far as the other kind of progressive values stuff we usually talk about on here, this movie doesn't have anything really to say about mental illness or disability. It has nothing to say about race whatsoever. I guess it has plenty to say about class, because we do have this really vanilla, shitty hellfire club of, of, you know, Rich upper class white men who are just uh, double hockey stick fire. Definitely wants to be very explicit in how shitty and hypocritical, yes, like these upper class men and their values are. At the same time, you know, it's eight. What is this? Nineteenth century England. They are all. They're all probably rich off some sort of fucked up colonialism or another. I mean, you look at their houses and it's, they're all full of like Balinese statues and Indian fucking elephant statues and shit. These like, people are colonialist as fuck, but just in that, it's not interrogated. It's just in that way where it's like, the sun doesn't set on the British Empire. Yeah. No, 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 no. I mean, and that's the thing is that, you know, it's supposed to indicate that they're rich, at least this time in the time that the film was you made. You can't have those sideburns and me not think about colonialism. <laughs> I mean, They're I the just think sideburns of colonialism. That, but devil me. But I mean, I guess Japan colonized some stuff. But yeah, that's a that's a whole other can of worms that yeah, and and should be open, but not tonight. Not tonight. Not by us. Not by us. Not and it's but especially not by us. But there's a lot of exoticism going on in this movie at the presentation of like the brothel girls and how they're supposed to be like, you know, oh snake dance. She's supposed to be belly dancing and. There was someone in the credits credited as Chinese girl. I don't know if if it was actually an Asian actress or if it was somebody's like stage name. Well, there is there is an Asian actress in the brothel. So, okay, I guess then, at least she got credited. Good, 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 good. But I mean, like the whole brothel thing it, is it's full not, of it's not great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, I mean, just the whole like with their shitty Hellfire Club of like, we're bored being rich and in charge of everything and, and being super controlling of, towards our families. Lower class rabble of the world, entertain your betters. Bring us such sounds and songs and delights that we have never before seen. This world exists to entertain us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but again, this movie is very much with the goal of being of making you see these people and their attitudes and being like, these people suck and they have it coming, especially like, mega, especially Hargood, who a thousand percent does that shovel to the face. Yeah, I, he he deserved to be exploded slowly. Like I wanted to see his I wanted to see him drawn and quartered with that shovel. Yeah. 
I'm throwing Paxton and Secker under the bus with Hargood here, but we are not actually shown if they're good or bad fathers outside of their whore clubs for men. Yeah, Paxton, Secker seems pretty, like, morally ambiguous. Paxton seems like he's just going along for the ride because the big boys told him to. I'm a little bit more sympathetic to Secker only because he seemed to enjoy the cat so much. And that's his only merit, as far as I know, like, because that was relatable to me. Like, if I had that Persian cat in my lap, I'd be like, hell yeah, I don't need no drugs. I don't need I I don't need like pussy. I just need this pussy. And I just want to like, you know, stroke it in a way that is not sexual. My favorite part of Sacker is about two thirds of the way through the movie when they realize they forgot to write Van Helsing into this film. So Sacker just all of a sudden and with no no prior explanation or setup just knows everything about vampires and Dracula. He wrote so he he's got the that book that he has that a book. He, tells he has a book. Yeah, he has a book. It's called. He has a book. He's like, oh, by the way, I'm like, I'm here to give you the info dump that I apparently know now. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's kind this of movie's dumb, but I love it. Like, I, I enjoyed the absolute hell out of this movie. Absolutely. It's got, as we were talking Thank about, some you, interesting, like, queer you, stuff you, in it. You gave us a good one. Yeah, ambiguous. Yeah, there's, it is ambiguous. The, the queerness is ambiguous. Lucy I mean, also Portly is rocking a very blousey blouse. Yeah, and there's a little bit of... I'm looking great. Yeah, like the threesome thing with Lucy thing, it's, it's a little too, like, forceful, uh, ultimately, for it to feel anything like any sort of suggestion of representation yeah. but they do have some moments where they're you know it's not quite like mina and lucy and bram stoker's dracula randomly making out in the labyrinth like okay guys <laughs> like that was very much like just i'm really sorry about that gesture but it was that was them putting it into the film it isn't this isn't okay Putting i'm not there I'm not I'm I'm not trying that's to mind this thing. That's the universal gesture for getting it in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For you listeners at home. <laughs> whatever you really imagine Emily was doing into the movie. That's what she was doing. Yeah. It's I, I listened to a lot Either of that or pulling a rabbit out of a hat, Emily. I'm not sure uh, what putting the rabbit back into the hat. That's what this is. All right, so I, I feel like I know the answer so. to this, but guys, did we recommend this movie? Do we uh, think people should go check it out? 500% any of these movies yeah. I, I know they they aren't all Chris, like good but Chris, if you are like us love this movie don't have too much experience with the other hammer films what would you recommend we like check out next for more of this like great british horror goodness if you want like a legitimately good version of the novel dracula horror dracula is quite good and obviously Christopher Lee has a lot to do in that as Dracula and really like turns in one of his best performances. Honestly, any of the kind of later era Hammer ones, I think have their merits. Dracula AD 1972 is a, if you like the weirdness of this one and the kind of offbeatness of it. I did, I very much did. Because the thing that I really like about this movie is it's weird. It is a weird one. Uh, then definitely Dracula 80, 1972, where it is now 1972. And Dracula's just been gone for a while. They just seem to have gotten tired of doing, like, period pieces. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, did it they, they get over it at one point. That was what was so delightful about Blackula, too. Like, the anachronistic and, like, having this dude in, in the 70s, you know these hot clubs and stuff. 
Yeah, Blackula, a movie that I would say is good, actually, that a yeah. lot of people underrate. It does include, Alicia was pointing this out as we were watching the final scene as Christopher Lee starts chucking things across the room of people. <laughs> that that was very reminiscent of Blackula, where he just picks up an oil barrel and chucks it off screen, and then it hits a dude in the head and he falls over. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I love this. This is fantastic. Yeah, I do Growing like how shit. Dracula doesn't try to use any of his Dracula powers. At the end of this movie, he's just doing stuff I could do. Kicking it up yeah, and throwing it at people. Getting overwhelmed by Christ. Throwing stuff will always be great. But yeah, he really doesn't do much. He's just like, once he sees one cross, he kind of just ends up being like Sideshow Bob with the ranks. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's just like, God damn it. All these intrusive thoughts. This is um, actually a church, isn't it? Fuck. Shit. You killed me by me being in a church already. I didn't see that uh, one coming. For all the silliness, I don't want to totally discount it. And what do you think, like Chris, Emily, Jeremy? Like, did we do we think there are any real themes or deeper things this movie is trying to explore or get across? Like, I, I don't that, want to totally dismiss it for the silliness. I don't think it was trying to say anything about the homophobia, but I think it was like I think there was something there, especially with Felix being there, because the the whole idea with Courtly being like this this object of fast this young like spry gentleman that is uh fascinating these three older men who are bored out of their mind by a brothel like i'm certain i would say with confidence that someone involved in the process of making this film was like yes let that go let that happen and you know and then all of them beating him to death because they're afraid of how intense he is there's something there I don't know if that's the point, but I think that that's something that this movie does touch on, even if accidentally, more successfully than some movies try to, to touch on on purpose. So, you know, the survival of Alice, I think, is pretty clearly like we're supposed to be sympathetic with Alice and be sympathetic with her engaging in her own sexuality. And it's not about punishing her for being a whore because her dad is punished for calling her a whore. So we don't have the Madonna horror situation quite as bad as we might have in other films. So you're saying this is a feminist take on Dracula? Slightly. Very, very slightly. Slightly more than it is like LGBTQIA representation <laughs> or any such commentary thereof. Yeah, um, it also, it gives the feeling of like with the, I don't know, sexual liberation thing sort of being side by side with the Dracula stuff. I mean, Alice sort of being the only active protagonist for a good part of this movie, I feel like they're like on the edge of something, but they don't quite get there <laughs> as far as anything actually feminist. Yeah. But I, I think she's easily the most compelling character in the movie other than, you know, Dracula when he's there. Yeah, but that's just I do. the merit of being Christopher Lee. I do enjoy the one scene where they're riding horses and bragging about getting engaged. And they're just kind of like one scene living in this Oscar Wilde high class like comedy. Oh, yeah. When they're talking about their new like how one of them's going to wear pink and the other one's going to wear yellow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like it's it felt very like the five you know, the minutes of the of being being Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. Oscar Wilde <laughs> reference. Same page. Yeah, fuck yeah. yeah. Oh, that puts a smile on my face. 
Well, speaking yeah, of, I forgot what I was going to say. That just made me so happy. <laughs> we referenced the same book. Well, speaking of being on the same page, Ben, what did you have to recommend? Oh, shit. I definitely recommend the Lord of the Rings uh, bonus feature where Christopher Lee explains what it sounds like when you stab a man in the back. Okay. Hell yeah. I, I, I forgot about the recommendations and I just kind of panicked <laughs> and went with my, the very first thing I thought of when I thought of Christopher Lee. That makes sense. Makes sense. Come back around for me. I'll get, I'll get, I'll have a real one. Uh, Emily, what, what was your recommendation this week? I would definitely watch the rest of the Hammer films and then watch the movie The Fearless Vampire Killers, which is a parody of the Hammer films and a lot more gay, like explicitly gay. And the, the homosexuality is kind of played for laughs, but it is very, very leaned into. Also, the movie stars Sharon Tate, which is a bit of a trip. So, you know, a lot of stuff going on there. But it's it's kind of funny. It's I think it's more funny than Dracula Dead and Loving It. So there's that. But it is, again, it's from like the 70s. So watch out for that. Not aging terribly well. Yeah, I, I was going to recommend, as, as Chris did, you know, if, if you like this one, the horror of Dracula is more or less like their adaptation of actual Bram Stoker Dracula a little bit less especially toward the end but that one is also pretty good I watched that one as well I would also recommend while we're talking about you know Bram Stoker and Oscar Wilde for that matter people check out Queer for Fear uh, which is a mini series that's on Shudder now which is all about sort of the queer influence on horror and and vice versa you know it, it starts basically with you know Mary Shelley and goes up through talking about Oscar Wilde and the portrait of Dorian Gray and Bram Stoker and his crush on Walt Whitman and him sort of having to very much hide in the closet after being kind of close to coming out in his letters to Walt Whitman. And yeah, all the, the various things that sort of spiral off of queer literature and, and horror out of that. So like it's, it's a mini series. It's like, I think five or six one hour episodes, but definitely worth checking out. That sounds really cool. Yeah, I've been watching that and their 101 scariest moments in horror movies, which is just a, a good list of recommendations of horror movies nice. to check out. Nice clip show. Yeah. Ben, did you come up with something? It's not bonus features. They did. I, I came up with one. A movie that I think at some point we'll be wanting to cover on this podcast. But if you want more cheesy, fun, over-the-top, quasi-camp horror stuff, I'm going to go with Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters. All right. Yeah. That's a fun Jeremy one. Renner is no Christopher Lee, but it's still a real fun movie. I don't know if there's ever been a more true statement than Jeremy Renner is no Christopher Lee. <laughs> getting those two mixed up is really uh... right. You are. Although, I mean, Christopher Lee as Hawkeye would probably be great. I don't know. Oh man, Chris, and I, I would definitely sign up for the Christopher Lee app. Yeah, Christopher uh, Lee could be. Uh, Hawkeye, but Jeremy Renner could never be Count Dooku. Or Dracula, for that matter. Or Dracula. God. Yeah, I'm starting, like, my, my brain started really, like, going into high gear. Like, you could, you, you could feel the heat off of my head when I started thinking, really thinking about that. And I, um, I feel like an old robot saying does not Chris compute. Christopher Lee is that meme, like, if I had a nickel for every time I played a character whose name started with Count and the letter D, I'd have two nickels. <laughs> isn't a lot but it's weird that it happened twice yeah boy the idea of jeremy renner as dracula is really haunting me who would win in a fight count dracula or count dooku go 
Dracula. I mean, I mean, Count Dooku does have a laser sword. So. He has the laser Dracula. sword and he can go out in the sun. Dracula can make a laser sword. Laser sword is not on Dracula's list of weaknesses, honestly. You know, That's I mean, decapitation, sure. Although yeah. it is made of light. It depends on what kind of light. Because if That's it's true. incandescent light, it's fine. If it's fluorescent light, it's fine. But if it is... I, I think it depends if vampires can be touched by the force. I, the vampires start... are like the... the I mean, they what, are the, like, Vong. I, I, I think Dooku might be in trouble. All right. This, this is a deep, deep hole we're headed down. Yeah, Before we are. We Chris, uh, I apologize can you let for know, that. Can you let people know where they can uh, find you online and find out more about what you do? Sure. You can always go to the-isb.com. That is my website and has links to all the things that I do, the various podcasts that I do that you were nice enough to mention at the top of the show, and the things that I've written that you can read uh, either online or in various comic books. Nice. Awesome. Yeah, and as for the rest of us, you can find Emily at Megamoth on Twitter and Mega underscore Moth on Instagram and at Megamoth.net. Ben is on Twitter at Ben the Con and on their website at BenConComics.com. And you can find me on Instagram and Twitter as long as it continues to exist at JRoom58 and on my website at JeremyWhitley.com. And of course, the podcast is on Patreon at Progressively Horrified, our website at ProgressivelyHorrified.Transistor.FM and on Twitter at ProgHorrorPod. Well, we'd love to hear from you, your thoughts on all the various Hammer Draculas or all the many Draculas or just your mournful cries at thinking of Jeremy Renner as Dracula. Speaking of loving to hear from you, we would appreciate, you know, rate and review this podcast wherever you listen to it. Five stars helps us uh, find new listeners. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. And thank you again to Chris for joining us. This has been a ball. And thank you for bringing this to us. I am so glad that all of you enjoyed it. I, that makes me very happy. Oh, very much so. We enjoyed oh, yeah. it. Yes. This this was a really fun time. Great. Yeah. It's a good one. Thanks again to all of you for listening. And until next time, stay horrified. Progressively Horrified is created by Jeremy Whitley and produced by Alicia Whitley. This episode featured Jeremy, Ben, Emily, and special guest Chris Sims. All opinions expressed by the commentators are solely their own and do not represent the intent or the opinion of the filmmakers, nor do they represent the employers, institutions, or publishers of the commentators. Our theme music is Epic Darkness by Mario Cole 06 and was provided royalty-free from Pixabay. If you like this episode, you can support us on Patreon. You can also get in touch with us on Twitter at ProgHorrorPod or by email at progressivelyhorrified at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye.